Welcome to the mind of Mr. Krizzle, the only place where the world makes sense. Join me, your host, Mr. Krizzle, as we embark on another journey through a mind so full of ideas that it takes a weekly podcast to let them out. With a shake and a sizzle, it's the mind of Mr. Krizzle. If it rings or if it drizzles, it's still the Mind of Mr. Grizzle With a pop and a fizzle Make a statue with the chisel It's all the same in the mind of Mr. Grizzle I drink a lot of water Now I gotta take a whistle Where's the bathroom in the mind of Mr. Grizzle Now we're here And I'm for Rizzle It's the mind of Mr. Grizzle Welcome to The Mind of Mr. Grizzle How are you? It is good to be back I am your host Mr. Grizzle I missed you guys. It's been a long time, right? This is the first one of the year. 2018 is here. A lot of things have happened since the new year. Uh, for me personally, in my life, uh, my job was kicking my butt in January. It still is here a little bit in February. And, um, you know, I just wasn't having a good go of it. And I was feeling drained. I wasn't feeling up to... Uh, doing a podcast because I was stressing a lot about things that were going on at work and um, that's why I wasn't doing it there's no conspiracy to stop doing the podcast just a lot of things going on I just needed to cut out a little bit that was going on in my life to try to make up for the things that I was doing with that work Um, so sorry it took so long but I'm back I've got a great episode for you guys today, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, How was your New Year's? Was it good? Did you make some resolutions? Are you keeping those resolutions? I mean, we're in February now. Uh, How long did your resolution laugh? Laugh? Last. How long did your... You know, that sounds pretty negative. I'm over here saying how long did your resolution last, like assuming that you guys aren't killing it out there and making all of your dreams come true. Let me take that back. That was me rewinding it. How are you guys doing with your resolutions? I'm sure you're doing awesome. I'm sure you're doing great. I'm sure every single one of you are keeping it just as strong as day one. What were those resolutions? You know, we're in the middle of February now. What are they? You can email those resolutions to me at mindofmrchrizzle at gmail.com. You can leave a message on Facebook. The Facebook group is called Krizzlet's Corner. I post things there. Also, other Krizzlets, uh, they post things there. Uh, or if you have the Anchor app and you listen to me on there, you can even leave your own little voice memo there. Uh, it's got to be a minute long, but I can include those on the episodes as well. Let me know what your resolution was. Let me know... Uh, how well you're doing keeping it I really didn't make any resolutions this year I'm not a big resolution guy Um, I feel like if there's something you want to change about yourself then you can just do it any day you don't have to do it on that day but some people do need that extra holiday they love being on the same page with a bunch of other people it makes things a little easier to do when you've spoken them out loud you've put it out into the world you've let your friends and family know that you're going to do this thing so they can be there to support you uh me myself on the other hand i don't like doing that because then uh then people know if you're not keeping your resolution so i just keep it in my in my head and um i probably should have made one to be more consistent with the podcast but 
Whew, it was hard. It was tough. But everything's good now. I'm glad to be back. You might hear some squeak, squeaking and some creaking in this episode. I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, my chair got extra squeaky. My desk got extra creaky. And um, it could just be the cold weather kicking in. Uh, I'm not really sure. It's been cold for a long time here. I'm getting kind of sick of it. But bear with me if you hear those noises. Just think of them as a nice little adding uh, to the ambiance of of this week's episode. Uh, let's see. What do we got going on? Well, we're going to... Uh, a little while ago, I posted about uh, some uh, near-death experiences. I wanted to hear back, so we're going to talk about those. They're not going to be... Um, they're not going to be too serious. We've got a couple serious ones, but uh, everybody in these stories are good. They didn't die. That's why they were able to send these stories in. So uh, we'll go over that. There's going to be a long segment for the uh, My Opinion segment where I share my opinion about movies, uh, books, TV shows. Because it's been so long since we've done an episode, I've watched a lot of stuff. In fact, it's kind of embarrassing when I was going through all the things that I can even remember that I've watched since last episode. But you got to remember, I had some family in town, so we'd like to go out to movies during that time uh, when they were here for the holidays. And um, kind of as a way for me to escape, like I was saying, uh, just issues at work, it was getting kind of overwhelming. I like to just veg out, lay in bed and watch something on my phone or um, pop some popcorn and watch something with my wife. So a lot of these things can be found on Netflix, or maybe it's a movie rented on Vudu. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to try to power through those. Uh, there won't be any spoilers for that, but I will give you an idea about each thing that we watched, and then you can decide if you haven't seen it already, if you want to or not. I do the work so you don't have to. Uh, then we have our normal segments like the life hack, uh, Ask Fast or Fast Ask. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode after that. So that's what we got to look forward to. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the uh, My Opinion segment so we can uh, be on the same boat as to what media I am consuming to fill that hole in my heart where my job is. And if you can't tell, I have not been happy with my my job. Let's go over that real quickly. Um, I'm very grateful to have a job. I know a lot of people out there are struggling. And I honestly do feel blessed to have this job. It's taking care of uh, my wife and me for many years. It's just, uh, it's getting a little overwhelming right now. And, uh, it you know, I needed some time to just kind of recuperate myself to uh, get back to what it is that makes me so I can be refreshed and get back to it. So, um, if you know, just quick, if you guys are having issues at work, uh, you don't like your job, don't be afraid to try looking for new things. I know it can be scary. That's really what's been holding me back uh, lately as I've been looking for a new line of work. Um, I definitely want to have something before I leave this job. But, uh, you know, it's scary because it's a whole new experience. I've been working uh, with this company for about 11 years now. And um, it's been a big part of my life. So uh, it, it is scary. But, you know, doing the podcast has, uh, in a weird way, kind of 
helped me realize that I don't need to be unhappy with what I'm doing. I can find things that make me happy and find a way to make income and uh, a living off of that. I see it all the time and I want to be able to do that. So I'm not feeling so worn out or, um, you know, grumpy when I'm when I'm with my friends and my family. I don't like to deal with that kind of stuff. That's not who I want to be. So I am looking for different avenues to uh, find work elsewhere. Uh, but until then, I'll still be here. I do feel a bit energized now so I can go back with a positive uh, mentality. Uh, but for you guys out there, if, if you are thinking about changing your line of work, go for it, I say. Um, you're never too old. You're never far enough in your life where you have to settle with being unhappy with what you're doing. Um, and you may have to struggle a little bit until you can get into the flow of things. But I say go for it and uh, do something that makes you happy. So what makes me happy is doing this. So let's get into the rest of our episode. And uh, here we go. If you're wondering if it's lame or if it's groovy, here's the segment where I share a review of a movie. If you like Despicable Me or even Minions, I didn't, but that's okay. It's just my opinion on the show, don't you know, that's my opinion. We got a lot to cover, so just let's get right into it. Um, I watched a lot of stand-up. Uh, there, if you go to Netflix, they have a lot of uh, wonderful stand-up specials on there. Um, you can find a comedian that fits your style of comedy you know comedy is kind of tricky because uh it's very subjective it's up to the viewer to decide whether they think it's funny or not and people have a lot of different um senses of humor uh for me and myself i tend to lean towards uh the more edgier comedy that maybe is a little bit more inappropriate uh things where you you just don't expect what they're saying. Little dark humor. I'm a fan of that. Uh, the reason why is because I think the the trick to comedy is for something to happen that you don't expect. And I find with a lot of the uh, more, I don't know, more streamlined comedians, uh, I tend to kind of see their punchlines coming before they give it. So it's not as funny to me. Uh, for example, one that is actually a very... Uh, famous comedian. Uh, maybe you have heard of him, maybe you haven't, but his name is Brian Regan. I say he's famous because he is, and it's kind of funny because he's so famous, but a lot of people uh, don't know who he is. Uh, he's He's been in comedy for many, many, many years. His act has always been uh, what they consider a clean act, where you can basically watch it with the whole family, and um, you don't have to really worry about any kind of cursing or, or um, bad, you know, themes coming up, which is which is great. Uh, but for I don't know his style. It isn't because he doesn't swear or anything like that. It's just his style. It's just it seems a little bit too predictive to me. Um, it's not really something I can relate to too much. So uh, his is nunchucks on flamethrowers. I do have to say though, if if you do like, I maybe I would compare it to like if you like watching maybe. Um, uh, what's some popular show, like maybe the Big Bang Theory, like stuff like that on TV, maybe you'll really like this. Um, 
I think that I think that the listeners of this podcast would probably like Brian Regan nunchucks and flamethrowers, but for me, I don't. It's a little too um, too vanilla for for my liking. Uh, I'm gonna get into the ones I do like, and you're gonna see the the vast difference between the two. Uh, so the next one, he's one of my um, well, he is my favorite comedian, and that'd be Dave Chappelle. He released a two-parter on New Year's. Uh, one was called Equanimity, and the other one was called The Bird Revelation. Um, and it, this was unique because Equanimity is your more uh, traditional type of stand-up special where he's like in a, a big venue. He's got his act down where um, he's very much like on script with what he's saying. Uh, and though things, you know, are inappropriate, like I said, uh, they're very funny. And he he says things that, you know, I don't want to say like the, the cliche, like, oh, he just says what everybody's thinking about, because I don't think people are thinking about these things. But when he says it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's kind of surprising uh, the things that he's saying. So uh, I would check that out. Definitely. The bird revelation, though, is a more. Uh, smaller venue, I believe he's at the um, the comedy club in L.A. And uh, he's just basically sitting on a stool in front of some uh, handful of people. And you can kind of sense that he's working things out as he's talking with them uh, and formulating what would maybe will be a future special or not. But the thing that's really interesting about this is he's talking about the, the things that are going on in Hollywood right now with the... Um, controversies that were kind of started with uh harry weinstein about the harassment charges that people are finally coming forward and they're speaking about and he kind of brings an interesting perspective on that uh which was very interesting i liked it I liked it a lot anything dave Chappelle puts out uh, i pretty much know i'm gonna like because i really like his sense of humor um one that gets really uh raunchy and i'm not going to recommend this to anybody um who has a problem with uh, language or suggestive themes is Cat Williams. Uh, I've watched his stuff in the past, and I think it's funny. I mean, I just got that kind of sense of humor. It's not something that I would uh, go around saying, but, man, he just he just says some things, and the way his voice is, the way he acts things out, it just it makes me laugh. Uh, his uh, stand-up special is called Great America. And as you can expect from that title, he's talking about things that are going on um, with our nation right now and his perspective on it. And it makes me laugh. But there is a lot of crassness. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, colorful language. So I would not recommend that to everybody. Um, definitely not young people. But, you know, I'm a grown man. And uh, that's what I think is funny. Uh, we've got another one, Todd Glass. He's a comedian. I listened to his podcast for um, quite a few years. That's how I found out about him. And his uh, comedy, I get a very sense, like it's very like vaudevillian. Um, he has like little skits that he does throughout. Uh, he's, I think he's funny. He has this whole thing where he, he acts like he is upset or angry about something. And he may genuinely be, but he's so over the top with it that it makes it comical, uh, but then he can turn right around and bring so much positivity to his act where you kind of leave uh, thinking that, you know what, you can make the world a bit better place. Uh, his name is Todd Glass. His stand-up is called Act Happy. Uh, let's see. 
there's one more stand-up special that I watch, which is Tom Segura. Um, his as his special is called Disgraceful. Um, he's also a funny guy. I listened to him on some podcasts uh, previously, so I already kind of had a sense of what his comedy was going to be like. It's also one of those uh, mature um, comedians. Definitely not as as raunchy as Cat Williams or maybe even Dave Chappelle, but uh, you know he. He's also a funny guy. I mean, he's a comedian. That's what he gets paid to do, right? So I watch quite a few stand-up specials, and Netflix is uh, good to watch those. Now, though I haven't seen these, if you're a fan of, I don't know, Jerry Seinfeld, he's got a special that's on there right now. Um, there are ones for John Mulaney. He's a good comedian. He's got a couple specials on there. Uh, on there. We got Bill Burr. He's the... Um, He's one of the greats uh, as far as comedians go. But if you're if you're leaning more towards like uh, if you like Jim Gaffigan, if you know who that guy is, he has a whole act about like Eggo waffles and hot pockets. He's gonna be in the same kind of vein as um, Brian Regan, I think. So if you're a fan of one, you'll like the other one. Um, but if you're a fan of the other ones that I talked about, you'll like uh, Louis C.K., Bill Burr. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Kevin Hart has a special on there. I haven't watched that one, but those are some good comedians. I enjoy those. Uh, so let's get on. Let's get on with it. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Before I Wake. What is Before I Wake? Oh, yes. That was a scary film that was on Netflix. Um, I'm typing it in here. So if you hear the click clacking, uh, it's just it's uh, so I can remind myself what it is. Okay, so basically this couple, they uh, had their son died, so they adopted a child, and this child has um, the powers of manifesting uh, his dreams in real life, and it takes a very dark twist. You can see all that in the trailer. Uh, Lisa and I watched that. Um, it was just a standard, you know, scary movie. We weren't blown away by anything, but it was an interesting concept. There were some uh, interesting things that happened in it. Uh, so if you just want to, you know, sit back and watch a scary movie, you could do worse than that. It's not the best, but it's also not the worst. So if you've got some time, check it out. That one's called Before I Wake. Another one uh, that I really liked is a series on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. Now, this is a documentary of... Uh, I want, it's supposed to be an eight-part documentary, but right now they only have uh, four episodes out, I believe. And they basically go through um, each series of toys that we grew up with i would say like in the in the 80s so they the very first episode of star wars and it talks about what a revolutionary um i guess the way that the star wars toys really put uh the hype of star wars on the map you know you got to go to this movie and then you got to go buy these toys that were from this movie and it talks about the deal that george lucas made as far as getting money off the toys and how basically these Star Wars toys helped change the entire industry as far as uh, what was popular for kids. And other toy uh, companies tried to emulate that. And uh, it's very interesting. And that's how it starts. And the second episode is about Barbie. And uh, even though I didn't play with Barbies as a kid, this episode was also very interesting. Um, if you didn't know, Barbie was actually inspired by a risque doll from Germany. And by risque, I mean she was kind of like... She's kind of hoey. 
and uh, that started Barbie. And then we can see now she's got all these different jobs now, right? She's kind of like she's kind of like Mario for video gaming, where he's had like every job from a doctor to a race car driver to a tennis player. That's uh, kind of how Barbie is uh, with her stuff. Episode three was He Man. Oh, I loved He Man as a kid. Who didn't, right? Um, so they talked about how He Man changed the toy industry, and then we got the classic in episode four, GI Joe. GI Joe was also one of those. Um, revolutionary things, you know, up to that point, they were actually the one who coined the phrase uh, action figure. You know, it's not a doll, it's an action figure. If you ever heard that before, um, they started that phrase. So it was very interesting to see these toys that I loved and played with as a kid uh, and kind of see how it changed an entire generation of people who have grown up with those toys. So that's called The Toys That Made Us. That's also on Netflix. Then I went through um, a series called The Magicians. The way it was kind of pitched was it was like Harry Potter for adults, basically college-age kids that go to this uh, wizarding school. And um, it's definitely like more uh, soap opera-y. There's like, you know, different couples hooking up with each other, drama that stems from that. Um, it's a little bit more uh, grown up as far as content uh, with the, you know, this guy is actually, I, I've talked in past episodes how Voldemort as a character, oops, squeaking chair, Voldemort as a character was actually kind of tame. You didn't really see him do too many bad things, but the the bad character in this one uh, murders people like in the first episode or two. Um, it kind of goes off the rails, I think, in the second season. It goes off into this fantastical kind of like Narnia-like land. Um, but once I start something, whether I really like it or not, I like to finish it. So I just kept watching the episodes until I was finished with it. But I love Harry Potter. I love that kind of, um, kind of thing of grown up, uh, Harry Potter. So it was, I really enjoyed it up to a point and then it just got to be kind of too much. But if you want to check it out, it's called the magicians. Um, they're still putting out new episodes, not on Netflix right now, but actually on live television where you can check out. I believe they're in season three now. Uh, so you have quite a few episodes you can watch. Uh, let's go. Uh, the Mountain Between Us. This was a good one. This was a movie my wife and I watched together. This has... Uh, oh, I'm blanking on who is in it. Uh, it's got... Let's see. I'm going to type it in real quick. The Mountain Between Us. It's basically about this. Uh, these two people who go off on... Uh, flight they miss their their main flight or maybe the weather keeps them from getting on it so they decide to charter a private plane to get to where they need to go and um, it's got uh, Kate Winslet that's right it has Kate Winslet and it has uh... oh I can't believe I've forgotten his name he's in the Dark Tower he's in uh... oh Idris Elba that's right uh, Idris Elba and Kate Winslet and they basically go on this fight and they crash into the mountains. And it's basically like a story about what they do to survive. Uh, whenever I think of people crashing into the cold mountains, I always think of that movie Alive about the uh, the soccer team, that the real soccer team that crashed in the mountains and end up eating each other. Nobody's eating each other in this movie, um, but it is interesting. It is fun to watch. Uh, well, fun, I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but it was an enjoyable movie. My wife and I liked it. It kind of turns into this love story, and it's really interesting to see how this near-death experience can really bring uh, two people together 
to do whatever they can to survive. I don't know if, if I would, uh, go through those links in order to survive. I think I would just kind of be like, all right, well, let me just take a little nap and I uh, won't wake up because they go through some stuff to get, to get through there. And I just don't know if I have that kind of dedication to get through it, but it was, it was a good movie. I liked it. And that one was called the mountain between us. I rewatched it. I got that on Blu-ray. Um, the new it movie. I've already talked about it before. I loved it. It was really interesting to rewatch it because you get to see all the little extra Easter eggs that they have in there. You know, you see things in the background that you might've not caught the first time, or there's some foreshadowing that you might not have seen, but now that you go back and rewatch it, you can see that. So, uh, if you liked it, it's out on Blu-ray, go watch it again. Uh, we also went to go see pitch perfect three at the movie theaters when my um, family was in town. I'm a fan of the Pitch Perfect movies. I liked one and two. I liked the the music. I really am a fan of mashups. I like when they do it on Glee, and I like it when they do it in here where they take two songs and they put them together. Pitch Perfect 3, however, I thought was the worst one of the uh, trilogy at this point. Um, there weren't a lot of mashups. They were just singing regular songs, uh, trying to do different styles on it. There was a lot of storyline about uh, Fat Amy and... Uh, a family member of hers. I don't want to spoil anything, but that's what a lot of the movie was. And, you know, Fat Amy is, I guess, funny in small doses, but to put the whole movie around her, I just wasn't feeling it. So with that and then the music not really being uh, up to the caliber that it is in the other two movies, and that's saying something, then uh, it wasn't really one that I enjoyed watching that much. But if if you don't really care, go watch it, I guess. It's just one of those silly movies that... Um, you, you can watch if you have nothing else to do, I suppose. Uh, let's see the circle. The circle is a movie that has Emma Watson. We saw that on uh, Amazon prime, I believe, or Amazon video. Uh, this is a, this is a movie that's kind of like, it kind of shows us maybe the darker side of, uh, a company like Apple or Google, where you've got these tech companies that really want to, um, take more of our rights to privacy in order to give us more convenient services and to be able to help us more. And it, it kind of shows this fine line between how much privacy we can have for ourselves and how much we need to give up in order to make our lives uh, better or safer. And um, there's this conspiracy that Emma Watson helps to uncover. And um, Alicia and I are really drawn to it throughout, but it's the very ending, I would say like the last three minutes of it, we were just kind of left scratching our heads like, that's how it's going to end? So, I don't know. I, I don't like to say that uh, a three-minute ending could ruin a whole movie because I'm not one of those people. Like, I can enjoy the ride even though the destination isn't the best. But that one, I was kind of like, hmm. I wonder, like, I wasn't really sure how I felt about the movie after watching the ending. Uh, but it's definitely something to check out. It's interesting to see, you know, maybe a direction our society can go to as we continue to rely more and more on these uh, high-tech devices. Uh, let's see another one. Den of Thieves. I really enjoyed this movie. I love heist movies. Uh, I love movies that involve a group of characters getting together. They come up with a plan to go and basically rob somebody or a corporation. I love the Oceans movie, Oceans 11. I love um, the movie Heist. I like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of them and, and I'm pretty much a fan of every single one of them. So Den of Thieves, that one has Gerard Butler in it. 
It's got 50 Cent in it. If you are a fan of Orange is the New Black, it's got that uh, security guard uh, porn stash in it. I'm sure he doesn't want to be referred to like that, but that's his uh, character's name in there. It's also got O'Shea Jackson. That is uh, Ice Cube's son. It's a good movie. It's about a bunch of, uh, not a bunch, but a group of guys who go and they decide to rob um, a big bank in L.A., I suppose, which I guess is the the bank robbing capital of the nation, it says in the very beginning of the movie. So if you're out in L.A. and you're at a bank, it's probably going to get robbed. Uh, that was Den of Thieves. I would recommend it. It was good. The next, well, while we're talking about the heist movies, there was a show that came out on Netflix. Um, in English, it is called, uh, I just was looking at it earlier, because I watched it in Spanish, because that's how it was originally filmed. Um, I did watch it with the uh, captions, the subtitles. I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker, so that wouldn't have done any good for me had I watched it like that. But it looks like when you go to search for it now in Netflix, instead of being called La Casa de Papel, which is basically like the paper house uh, or the house of paper. Oh, it's now called Money Heist. So if you're looking for it on Netflix, it's called Money Heist. They do have English uh, dubbing over it. So you can hear like actual English speakers. But a little pro tip, if you're listening to them speak in English and you're watching the captions at the same time, they do not match up. So it gets to be very confusing sometimes. Uh, when that happens, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. Oh, I had a sneeze. So that was really good. Basically, the premise behind this is you got a group of thieves who decide to get together to, instead of robbing a bank, they decide to rob uh, a royal mint in Spain. Mint is basically where they uh, print the money. And instead of uh, the traditional, let's get in, steal as much as we can and get out, they actually have a plan to. Um, fortify themselves inside of the mint so they have the maximum amount of time to print the most money that they possibly can um, and then it goes from there so that was a very enjoyable series that one had I believe uh, man I don't know how many episodes it had but it had enough to definitely stay interesting and um, give you a good time now the only thing that I was kind of bummed about on that one just a little FYI is uh, the you would think that with the first season, I didn't even know it was going to be a multiple season show, to be honest with you. I thought there was it was just going to wrap up at that one, but it is going to have uh, more seasons. And the first season doesn't really wrap up the, the story arc, um, which I kind of like. I don't mind watching multiple seasons, but I kind of want the, the first season or each season to wrap up some kind of story arc before it goes into the next one. And this one doesn't, so it definitely left me... Uh, feeling gypped like uh okay so now i have to wait a whole nother year to watch that uh, but it was still good i still recommend it another one is uh david letterman uh he can he has his own show on netflix now called my next guest needs no introduction uh, basically he's back instead of having his uh late night talk show where he's got a band and He's got all these little uh, segments that he does. He just sits down one-on-one -on -one with one guest for about an hour, and they just talk with each other. In the first episode, he's got Barack Obama, and he has him on there, and they're talking about, uh, well, Barack's presidency. Um, they also talk about some of the civil rights uh, movement that had happened and some uh, important people that were involved in that. Uh, and it was very interesting. It was really good to see kind of, you know, just two people have a conversation like that. 
uh, without being interrupted by commercial breaks and all those type of things. Um, it, it looks like he's releasing a new episode uh, every month, I think, because it, uh, the George Clooney one just came out. Uh, so that's the second episode with George Clooney. I haven't finished that one, but so far so good. I didn't know that George Clooney had uh, so many famous family members. Uh, and that was kind of interesting to see. But that one is called My Next Guest uh, Needs No Introduction. And that's from David Letterman on Netflix. All right, we're about half halfway through, guys. If you need to take a break, take a break. It's okay. Like I said, I got a lot to catch up with. This is what happens when you go so long. But I want to make sure that you know I talk about all these things so you guys can find these shows that might be interesting to you and pick up. So if you got to take a break, take a break. Pause it. Go get yourself something to eat. Um, and then come back. Uh, just FYI, by the way, while we're talking about this, um, I do have a plan for future episodes to have more guests on. I know I can kind of drone on when it's just me by myself. And, uh, you know, what can you expect? That's what you get when you're in the mind of Mr. Grizzle. Uh, so there will be more guests on. We'll talk about that more a little later on. Um, but I really do enjoy just being able to speak with you and let you know the things that are going on with me. Uh, and, uh, so let's get back into it. We're back into what I have been watching. And the next thing we're going to talk about is Manhunt Unabomber. Manhunt Unabomber. Okay. So this is on Netflix. Very interesting. Um, it is, if you couldn't tell from the title, a little, uh, mini documentary, not really documentary, but it's a biographical story that follows uh, the Unabomber case. You have a detective who uh, has pretty much dedicated his career to finding the Unabomber. And it was a very interesting case because a lot of the ways that they found who he was was by uh, un untraditional means. They were going through letters. They're analyzing his writing, um, the linguistics that he used to kind of match with the other letters that he had written to really narrow down who it was and that had never happened before um, and they were able to do that through this new kind of science that they were coming up with and it was extremely interesting it is also uh, a series that went through multiple episodes uh, and it was worth watching I really enjoyed it and like that's called Mindhunter or I'm sorry Manhunt Unabomber now the reason why I said Mindhunter right now is because there's another series that is on Netflix called Mindhunter and it is a Netflix original and it it talks about what I was just talking about there's this new basically department in the CIA where they are analyzing behaviors of these serial killers of uh, these mass murderers and they're trying to use uh, science that hadn't been determined yet to really get into the mind of these killers and I think in Mindhunter they may have even alluded to the Unabomber in that one. Um, so that was very interesting. I really liked that one. Mindhunter, check that one out. We're making progress. Uh, we've got some more um, Netflix things. Let me see if there's anything else. I want to kind of get into what we saw in theaters uh, more so than just Netflix. Uh, the Good Place. This is one I just watched recently. The Good Place has Tony Danza. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. That's... That's, you know, if you can't tell my voice a little raspy, I'm kind of sick, um, it feels like, but that was my favorite part of Friends. Not my favorite, but one of my best parts when Phoebe starts 
telling us that she thinks that that's actually the lyrics to Elton John's song, which is supposed to be Tiny Dancer, but instead she says Tony Danza. And I just realized, let me just be honest with you, um, <laughs> it's not even Tony Danza that's in it. I just made that up. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's Ted Danson. Okay, so uh, hold me closer, Ted Danson. Yeah, that doesn't go so well. Okay, so it's Kristen Bell and Ted Danson from Cheers. Uh, I knew it wasn't Tony Danza once I started talking about Phoebe because I was like, wait, that's the guy from Who's the Boss? Uh, okay, so this is Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Basically, the premise of this is simple. Kristen Bell dies. She ends up in The Good Place. And she doesn't know why, because she wasn't really a great person here on Earth. And it's funny. Um, there's a lot of visual gags on it. You can tell that they had a, a pretty uh, good budget for that show. There's a lot of special effects in it. And um, the first season is on Netflix. The second season is going strong right now on TV, but it is not available on Netflix. I tried watching it on Hulu, but the thing with Hulu is that... They don't even show all the episodes. Like, they'll show you the last five that have aired. And, you know, I got a bone to pick with Hulu. I don't like it. I, you still have to have commercials in it. They don't show all the episodes of even that one season. You can only watch, like, the last few episodes. And it seems like since I last used it, which was a couple years ago, um, they have even less of a selection. I don't know why people would enjoy watching Hulu uh, when I feel like... Netflix uh, has a better selection. They have better uh, original programming. But um, I'm still trying to give Hulu a try. I know they have some of their own original programming that's gotten great reviews. But I'm not really a fan of Hulu. Just FYI if you guys are wondering. So that one was called The Good Place. With Ted Danson, not Tony Danza. Ooh, we've got... I rewatched Edward Scissorhands last night. It's sad. It's just sad. I remember as a kid crying because I was like, how can you do that to this guy? Um, but it's still a movie that, that you know, it's a classic. You got to watch it. Edward Scissorhands. If you haven't seen it, watch it. You're going to you're gonna be sad, but you're also going to be happy at times. You're going to laugh. It's a great movie. And it's a classic. If you like Tim Burton or any of his stuff, you'll kind of see the same. Obviously, you'll see him you'll see the same kind of artwork, but it also remind me a lot of uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, obviously, because that was also directed by Tim Burton. But it's interesting to see his style in this movie. Edward Scissorhands. I'm moving right along. We've got the Emoji Movie. Yes, I watched the Emoji Movie on Netflix. Uh, I thought, surely it can't be as bad as I think it's going to be. And um, I was wrong. It was worse. It wasn't good. But like I said, once I start something, I want to finish it. It took me two nights to finish it. The writing was lame. The story was lame. The jokes weren't that funny. And you could tell that with it being um, a Sony production, they were trying to put in like every artist they have on their label. They were trying to use all of their real life apps that they have in it. It was basically like an hour and a half commercial uh, for Sony stuff. And it wasn't even funny. So I would avoid the Emoji Movie. Don't even let your kids watch it. If you walk into a room and you see your kid watching the Emoji Movie, just kick him in the head or her. Just They need to get kicked because uh, they need to forget that they ever saw anything on there. And a good kick will take care of that. 
Battle of the Sexes. This movie we watched. Uh, my wife and I watched it with my brother-in-law. This is the true story about uh, the tennis player. I'm so sorry, but I have completely forgotten uh, their names of these tennis players. I want to look it up real quick because I do think it's worth uh, giving them credit. Battle of the Sexes. But it's played by Emma Stone. And it's also got uh, Steve Carell. That'd be Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Uh, Billie Jean was a, a female tennis player that really pioneered um, female tennis to be actually respected and put on the same level as uh, male tennis. And... Uh, Bobby Riggs, he was kind of he was really great. He had won awards, but he was also kind of a, a wild card, a joker. He was very entertaining, and he drew a lot of attention to this tennis match between him and Billie Jean King. And you know the movie was good in places, but I did feel like it kind of drug on a little bit. Alicia's perception of it afterwards was that it got kind of boring. Um, but it was definitely interesting to see kind of the struggles that Billie Jean had to go through uh, to legitimize the sport of tennis uh, with women. And, you know, now I you can't think of tennis without powerful women like uh, the Williams sisters. And um, that's all I can think of right now. But that's because I don't really watch tennis. I know there's Anna Kornikova because she was Miss Thang, but she's not even that good. So I wouldn't say... That she's uh, put tennis on the map. But this, the Williams sisters definitely have for sure. Uh, so yeah, that was Battle of the Sexes. If you're interested in seeing um, this, um, this movie, go for it. Go watch it. Okay, uh, another one that was based on a real person is I, Tanya. I really enjoyed I, Tanya. I thought the story of, especially around the Winter Olympics right now, the story was very interesting when it happened. I remember being a kid and seeing Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding on the news and this idea that this athlete had something to do with uh, busting up another athlete in order to get an, a competitive advantage I thought was really interesting as a kid. And seeing this I, Tanya movie, uh, it really kind of took me back to that time. It was it was a shot in a way that makes it kind of a dark um, comedy, the movie. You know, it was very serious issues. And there are some serious things that happen in the movie. But it's presented in a way to where you're not feeling so burdened by the, the heaviness of the subject matter. You're, you're kind of coming at it more as a, uh, a comedic approach to it. And it made it more palatable to watch. Uh, but we enjoyed it. It was good. I would recommend going to see that i tanya uh we saw molly's game molly's game was a very uh interesting movie it's it was like one of those movies where their narrator narrates the entire movie um and tells you what's going on if you don't if you're not familiar with it it's about um the true story of molly bloom she was basically this olympic class skier who ended up through these turn of events um hosting the most exclusive high-stakes poker game uh, in the country and became an FBI target uh, for this poker game. She basically started this poker game where you had to be filthy rich, a celebrity, is very exclusive, um, and she was doing it legally, 
And then through turn of events, some stuff happened. It wasn't legal anymore. The FBI came and got her, and they really tried to uh, pin her down to get uh, the names of all the people involved, but she didn't want to to be a snitch, basically. She knew snitches got stitches. She didn't want to ruin those people's lives, even though they were kind of scummy people. And uh, it was really it was really entertaining. I liked it. They, She talked a lot about uh, poker terms and strategies in it as part of the little narration. And I'm not a poker player, so I don't know how accurate the things she was saying, but it sounded like she knew what she was talking about. And it made it an interesting watch. Uh, so that was called Molly's Game. And uh, check that out. I think that's it, guys. We did it. I don't know how long the segment was. I'm sure it was super long, but we got through them all. We're all caught up. Uh, so when we go into next week, my list won't be as long, and we can just enjoy each other's time together. Now I did go. Uh, I did skip over one uh, show that I loved called Black Mirror. Black Mirror released a new season back in December. Uh, and we haven't talked about it because I haven't been on here. But if you've never seen Black Mirror, it's basically like a modern-day uh, Twilight Zone. Each episode is its own story, and they all revolve around this theme of technology, basically how we are dependent on technology, um, maybe the future of uh, the way technology is going, how it's going to affect our lives in the future. And it's not so far off and so sci-fi that it becomes unbelievable. It's like when you're watching it, you can really see these things happening today uh, with the way uh, things are going. And it does a really good job of pointing out issues that we're going through now, not only with just technology, but the way society is uh, because of that technology. There are three seasons, I believe, uh, maybe four but they're very short seasons. They're like at the most six episodes in a season. And uh, I strongly recommend you. If you like watching Twilight Zone back in the day, I think you'll like Black Mirror. The Some of the stuff is just kind of mind-blowing. While other stuff kind of seems like it's just shocking to think that it could be like that. Um, I would say the first episode of the entire series isn't really a great example of what the series is about. Um, and I'll get more into depth of that later. In fact, next episode, I'm going to have my friend Danielle on. And we're actually going to do a spoiler uh, review of every episode on Black Mirror. So if you haven't seen it and you want to be a part of that conversation, you've got a week to watch it. Like I said, each season is about six episodes. Um, I think the first two are actually like three episodes. So you may not have that much to watch, but... Get down to it, watch the stuff so you can know what we're talking about. Nothing be, will be spoiled for you, but that's Black Mirror. And like I said, that first episode is not what the series is about uh, to an extent. So don't be turned off by that one. It is kind of crazy. Um, let's just put it this way. You, in the first episode, the prime minister is caught in this situation where he has to do something uh, very demoralizing, demeaning, and embarrassing in order to save somebody's life. And the episode kind of goes around like the decision that he should make, what a life is worth, and then kind of how we as a society kind of feed off the frenzy that the media builds up when we, when we have these decisions like this. And uh, if you can get past the 
what the deed is that he has to do. I'm not going to spoil that for you. If you can get past it and look at other things, it is very interesting. And we can see it a lot, especially in the climate that we're in now, of how we kind of feed off this media frenzy and kind of lose sight of what's really important. Um, get through that episode and then keep watching the other ones. I, I really can't find anybody who wouldn't like it, to be honest with you. So check that out. Yeah, woo. Take a breather after that. Um, we're going to quickly go into the other segments, but that's it for um, this segment. And uh, we'll leave you with that. A few weeks ago, I had asked Facebook if they had had any experiences where they felt legitimately like they were about to die. And I wanted to know once they came to that realization, how they felt. And the reason why I was why I put this question out there is because I was remembering a couple of uh, experiences in my life where I felt like this is it. This is how I go. And the way I felt about it once I accepted that was I felt kind of at peace or calm about it. And, you know, you hear in literature and in movies about how people will have their whole life flash before their eyes um, or other people for them. Time will slow down and they'll see every blade of grass and leaf on the wind other people might feel terrified at what's beyond this life if there's anything at all or not and i wanted to know what your experience was so i put it out there on facebook i got some feedback but for me um looking back on it they were kind of funny experiences at least in my own opinion they were funny uh one of them stood out to me that i could remember vividly was going on a, a trek on a bike ride up with my friend Lucky. And um, yes, his name's Lucky, that's right. And I was not so lucky on this trip because he had lent me one of his bikes to go on because I didn't have one of my own um, at that time. And so this trail would go up this mountain and then down the other side or Maybe not the other side, but somewhere else down this mountain. And I say mountain, but, you know, I live in the San Antonio area. There's not actually mountains, but it's larger than a hill, I would say. And the terrain was rocky. The path was very small. So I'm just going to just going to refer to it as a mountain. And we started on this trek and he said, hey, look, the brakes aren't the best on this bike, but they'd be sufficient. And at the time, I didn't really care because we're going uphill. Like how much? brakes am I going to have to use on my bike going uphill? And I hadn't really thought about the second part of the, the trek. So we're going uphill, we're doing fine, you know, getting a little bit tired, but we get to the top and um, it's our time to start making our way down. And as I go down, obviously you start to catch some speed. Now, when you're going downhill on a bike, you have to imagine you're going down uh, head first, your back tire is elevated more than your front tire is. So if you lean too much over the handlebars or if you're going kind of fast and you, you put on the brake too fast, you're likely to flip head over handlebars and crash. So in the beginning, I still wasn't using my brakes too much. As we started to descend further though, the steep got a little, or the, the decline got a little bit steeper. And I remember Lucky started in front of me and I quickly surpassed him because I could not put my brakes on. That's right. I put the handbrake on and uh, not only did it not slow me down, but I remember seeing a piece of metal just whiz past my ear. And I think that that was one of the brake pads. 
uh, I remember yelling at Lucky, uh, the brakes aren't working. And I'm sure all you hear was, the brakes aren't working. That's right, that fast. The brakes aren't working. And I was gone. Um, because I was going so fast, I could no longer stay on the trail. And it quickly turned into trees just whizzing by. Uh, going over rocks, there were just sharp drops that kept happening after another. Now, I rode a bike a lot as a kid. So I wasn't really too scared at, at the beginning moments. In fact, a lot of the bikes I had didn't even have brakes on them. We purposely took them off so we can do tricks and stuff on them and backpedal. And one of the things that we did to stop our bikes was we would put our foot between the tire and the frame of the bike and that would slow down the bike. Well, when you're going downhill like that, if I were to put my foot in there, uh, not only do I have a chance of crushing my foot between the frame and the tire, but stopping so fast that I would just flip head over handlebars and crash into one of the trees or one of the rocks. So as I'm trying to just keep the bike steady to not fall over, to not run into anything, um, for me, time did kind of slow down. Uh, I was able to navigate uh, with superhuman uh, reflexes. And I remember thinking, well, this is it. This is how I'm going to die. This is how I go. And as soon as I thought that, just calmness came over me and peace. Like, well, you know, I guess this is a cool story. Um, my life didn't flash before my eyes, but I did think to myself, like, Lucky's going to feel real bad about this because he, he gave me this bike with no brakes. Um, and then I thought, man, I'll visit him as a ghost and tell him, like, dude, it's no big deal. Like, it, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Maybe that'll help him out. Like, I had all these thoughts as I'm, like, going down the mountain. I wasn't thinking, um, or if I was, I don't remember thinking about like, uh, friends or family being sad that I had passed away. I was just thinking like, this is it. This is how I go. And, um, as you can see, I'm here today. So I didn't die. I just got down the hill like a badass. I mean, I was, I wish I would have had a camera on me. The wind was flying through my hair. My cheeks were flapping. My eyes were wet with tears from the wind. And, um, I just, I did it. I got down there and at the end I had to wait. It felt like maybe 10 minutes, maybe even 12, well, a jump between 10 minutes and 12, 10 to 20 minutes until Lucky got downhill and he was definitely relieved that I was okay. And we had a huge laugh about it afterwards. And, um, you know, that was, that was a moment where I thought I was going to die and I didn't. And those were the thoughts that went through my head. Another time, um, you know, I've I felt like I've uh, been in a position where I was going to drown a couple times. Uh, being in California as a kid and going to the beach, there are a couple times I did get caught up in the undertow, and I thought, well, this is it. I'm not going to be able to get out because uh, I'm drowning right now. And just something clicks in my head, and I just accept it. Like, all right, this is how I go, and uh, goodbye world. Sounds kind of morbid, but I don't feel like that when it's happening. In fact, there was one last time when we were on a kayaking trip, and uh, it was part of our um, scout group, and we had to have been about maybe 16, 16 or 17 at the time, and we went on this kayaking trip down, there's a part where the Colorado River comes into Texas, and uh, it was a couple nights we went out kayaking, and we also went hi uh, hiking, and a friend of mine, uh, Lorenzo, we were in the kayak and we started off that morning just grumpy with each other. Like we were angry. We had kayaked the day before. We were sunburned. 
um, being in a kayak with somebody else for that length of period of time, everything we were doing was just, we we're getting on each other's nerves. If one person doesn't paddle correctly, it turns the kayak and makes it all tweco and crooked and you don't go in a straight line. So by this time we had, we were fed up with each other. Uh, we weren't talking at all to each other. And so we're kayaking down this river and we get caught up in a current. And as much as we try to fight it, the current takes us right into these trees that were growing over the river. The branches are smacking us in the face. We're getting hit left and right. We've lost control of the kayak. I think I dropped one of my oars, or I think I dropped my oar, and I think he did too. And we ended up getting flipped um, upside down in the kayak. So we find our way out. We get up, and during this time, I'm thinking, this is it. We're going to die. I'm going to die on this trip. This is how I go. Uh, and again, that feeling of calmness comes over and just, it's just very matter of factly. Like, you know, none of us get out of this life alive. What do I expect? This is how I'm going out with the story. And um, things seem to slow down. I grabbed a branch and pulled myself off to the side so uh, I can get out from under the kayak. I saw my friend Lorenzo and we looked at each other and we just busted out laughing. We almost died and something about that adrenaline getting released and maybe the the feeling relieved of, of not dying after all. Uh, we just started cracking up and then we couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the day. So um, I guess if you're getting in an argument with somebody or you don't want to talk with somebody sharing a near-death experience is a way to uh, to take care of that issue. So that was my experiences um, and now I'm going to share some of the feedback that I got from you and i uh, hope you enjoy it now again this isn't to be like um morbid about death i know it's a very sensitive subject for some people it's just more about the psychology of what goes through your mind when you think that these experiences are about to happen to you so i hope you find this interesting I want to thank the listeners that emailed me their experiences where they thought they might die. And they did that by sending an email to mindofmrkrizzle at gmail.com. Also, they uh, posted their stories on the Facebook group page. That's Krizlet's Corner. This one comes from Jack. He says, well, there was a time I was flying about 2,500 feet, perfectly legally. I was a student pilot. Suddenly, the airplane dropped out from under me. It probably just dropped 30 feet or so, but my seatbelt wasn't tight and my head hit the top of the cockpit and I thought I was going to pass out. Flying at 2,500 feet and passing out, they're not a good match. Then there was this, well, first before we go into the next story, that's pretty scary. I remember um, when I was a kid, I had the, uh, I guess, the fortunate opportunity to go up and be one of those junior pilots where you got a real pilot that takes you up into the air and then he basically hands over the controls for the steering to you. Um, at least he makes you think that now in retrospect. I don't know if, if they're doing that or not, but I was moving the the, the wheel, not, not the wheel. It wasn't a joystick either. I guess it was the, um, wow, it sounded really technical. The thing that makes the plane move, I moved that a little bit and the plane seemed to move with it. And then as I got a little older, I remember um, uh, my uncle and I, we actually took like a junior flight class where we did this boring class for about three hours and then they took us up in a plane and they let us control it once we get up there. And when I did it, I, I was doing it like a professional, but I remember being on the plane when one of the other junior students did it and 
you did that little move where it felt like we were just dropping. And uh, I didn't think we were going to die, but my stomach definitely um, went from falling out of my butt to going above my head. So eh, I, can't, um, I can't imagine what it was like actually being the one flying the, the plane and then having that happen to you. So that was one time he felt like he was going to die. Uh, the second time, he says, uh, then there was a time I was in San Francisco. I was 16, had run away from my home in San Angelo, Texas, and flown to LAX. I had a job at a bakery and had been saving my money. Man, 16. Can you imagine that? Running away at 16? Uh, that, that takes some courage there, especially going from San Angelo all the way to Los Angeles, California. Anyway, he continues. He says, after spending the first night in LA, I hitchhiked to San Francisco. It was on the rough streets of the city there that a guy decided to take all my money and he started the process by putting a straight razor to my throat. Wow. Uh, fortunately, he didn't slash my throat. In fact, he gave me back a few dollars in change to call my parents on a payphone, which I did. Oh, see, why don't we have why don't we have muggers like that? You know, they mug you, they take your money, but they say, don't forget to call your mom. You know, they, they still care enough to give back to the community. You know, it's just different times, I guess. Uh, anyway, he says, they sent the cops for me and I was taken to the juvenile home till my dad sent me a plane ticket to come home. Uh, oof. that's okay. So imagine you're 16 years old. You're in a completely foreign land compared to San Angelo, Texas. Somebody, I imagine like there's like a dark alley. Someone comes out, puts a blade against your neck, asks for all your money. You probably don't have much if you're just 16 at the time. That's got to be pretty terrifying. I've never been in a situation like that that I could remember. Maybe I've subconsciously blocked it out of my mind, but I, I don't think I've been in that kind of situation. I've actually had a blade to my throat. Uh, but, you know, that's um, that's not even all. He's got another story. I remember once being at a friend's house, and he had someone over who I didn't know, and that person was quite stoned. Uh, stoned as in high on the marijuana. Uh, he says, my friend had one, well, I assume it's marijuana. It could be something else, I guess. Uh, my friend had one of those awful paintings showing a child or a deer or a calf or something that had oversized blue eyes looking out from its frame. This guy pulled out a twenty-two revolver and shot the picture. Well, uh, now I think it's time I leave, I said, and did. Those are the first three that come to mind. Man, Jack, you have had some experiences, you know, from following you uh, on your Facebook page. I tend to see that those are just the tip of the iceberg with interesting stories you have to share. Um, there has been a time when I've been around some people. I was very sober, but I was around people who were not so uh, sober. They they might have been um, persuaded by different variants, alcohol and uh, drugs, perhaps. And there has definitely been some situations where I was fearful uh, for, I guess, my life. I didn't think this is it actually how I go, but I definitely was nervous thinking I need to get out of this situation pretty quickly. Uh, so I can relate to that one a little bit. Uh, let's see. I went ahead and I asked him, hey, how did you feel when this stuff was happening? Because I was trying to get kind of pinned down, the, like I said earlier, the psychology of what goes through your head when these things are happening. And he answers and he says, the straight razor to the throat thing was a total surprise. To the throat thing was a total surprise. And I just couldn't believe the guy would kill me. He was an acquaintance of the two days previous. Okay, so this was actually a guy that he knew that pulled the uh, razor on his throat. 
which may make a little sense why he gave him some money to call his, his parents. So that he had met them two days previous. Um, he says, I was quite naive and could have been killed instantly had he wanted to. Instead, he gave me two or three dollars and quarters back so I could call my parents on a payphone. Do any of you remember that? Having to actually use quarters on a payphone? I did a little trick where I would call collect and then when they would say to say, say your name, I would say, come and pick me up. Like, so that was my name. Come and pick me up, Owens. And uh, that way my parents wouldn't have to accept the call and they still know it's time to come and pick me up. I don't even know where a payphone is anymore. If you see a payphone, I want you to take a picture of it and I want you to post it to the Facebook group page, Chrislet's Corner, so we can see that those, it's got to be a working payphone. I want to see you on the phone making a call if you can. Uh, I challenge you. The first one to do that, I'll send you a little surprise if you do that. First one to send a picture of a working payphone on my uh, Facebook group, Chrislet's Corner, I'll send you a little prize. Um, he said the other experience, he's talking about the flying one now, he said he felt instant terror. And when you're flying at 115 or 20 miles an hour, well, that doesn't sound right. If you're flying at 115 or 20 miles an hour, and something like that. That's a pretty slow plane going at... There must be a typo there. Anyway, if you're flying freaking fast and something sudden like that happens, you know it's a fix-it-or-you-die situation. Uh, fortunately, that one manifestation dropping 15 or 20 feet wasn't repeated, so I recovered quickly and was able to land shortly thereafter. Ooh, that's some uh, brave stuff there. Um... We have another uh, listener's story. This one came also on my Facebook on uh, Chrislet's Corner. Timothy says, uh, I feel like I could write a book of these instances. Uh, staring death in the face where I thought it was my end has been a very common instance with me and has led to a complex that I can't die because something doesn't want me in uh, either heaven or hell. You know, I've heard that before, Having uh, people having a lot of these experiences and they kind of start to get this idea that um, they can't die. And uh, I definitely know looking back on being kids when you don't even have that concept of death, you do some crazy things because you just think, I'm a kid, nothing's going to happen to me. And as an adult, you look back on it and you think, if I tried any of those things now, I would die. A hundred percent, I would die. Um, Tim Timothy doesn't have that anymore. Uh, Timmy says... He's, he feels like he can't die. So he says one time, uh, perhaps the one that sticks out the most is when I was working on my car and the one jack stand gave out. He says, yeah, I used it properly. I just think the Reapers love to test my resolve to live. Uh, and the car came down on me. It had pinched me on the one side of my ribs, making it damn hard to breathe. It was still up on one stand, mind you. And after about two minutes of fighting to get the frame off me in a direction that would have got me totally clear from harm, I decided that rolling towards the other stand, which was further under a uh, now unstable car, uh, was my only option. Ooh, so he's pinned underneath this car and he, two minutes have passed, which I'm sure is an eternity under the car. And he's trying to roll to one direction. He finally realizes I need to roll to the other direction. Um, enough skin left on the frame from rolling away from it. Ooh, he left some skin there. Uh, and a quick and very lightheaded low crawl from under the car. I was on the other side and safe just as the other stand came down. Ooh, can you imagine that? That's like one of those movie moments where the protagonist gets out just in time before the whole building falls around them. Except in this case, it's a car. He says he did kick the uh, stand in his mad dash to get out from under the car. So the car falling was actually on him, but not literally on him. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, and he says, and the car went flat onto the rear drums. Needless to say, I sat there breathing heavily, bleeding pretty nicely from the gash on my ribs, and had a small meltdown. So I think that's a pretty um, reasonable uh, reaction to something like that, having a small meltdown. Uh, I wonder if after that he still has that complex or if this was just another uh, thing to enforce that complex, that he is unkillable. Uh, Timmy, I hope we don't ever have to find that out. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you are invincible as long as you stay safe and continue to play uh, video games. And stop working on your car. <laughs> okay, uh, this one comes in from Bobby. This is also from Facebook. He says, in middle school, a few friends and I were playing in a flood-filled pond near their house. Remember being kids and you would just find things to play at near your house, like ditches with water with slime on the top or uh, a scary storm drain or something like that? I mean, what weren't those so fun to do? I've got tons of stories like that. Anyway, he found... Uh, a flood-filled pond near their house. He says, We decided to jump into the overflow portion of the pond where the water was fairly swift and deep. We floated downstream for 100 yards or so, and I remember seeing a friend in front of me turn around after fumbling around in the water and yelling at me. He was trying to warn me about a fallen tree underwater. Uh, my torso hit the tree, and I was instantly stopped. So if you've ever been tubing, that's a big thing we like to do here in southern Texas. We basically get this uh, large inflatable uh, tire tube. We sit in it, we float down the river. There's been times where um, those rapids can pick up a bit, and if something's down there, you can bang your knee on the rock real easily, or in this case, a fallen tree, uh, a fallen tree and it is very painful. Um, so he says, uh, my torso hit the tree and I was instantly stopped. The pressure of the water had me pinned so hard against the tree. It was hard to breathe. And I distinctly remember not being able to make a sound. The water was moving fast enough that it created a pocket around my head so that I could breathe a little. The sound of the water was both deafening and quiet at the same time. I remember thinking that I was going to die and wasn't super panicked. That's kind of like me. That's how I felt. Um, he says, I still didn't know how, but my body became loose and I wasn't hung up anymore. That was the end of our fun for the day. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that would be, uh, it sounds like he kind of has a similar situation. Maybe, I don't know if it's related to water maybe the feeling like you're going to drown, but he says when he was about to die, he wasn't super panicked. And, you know, it reminds me of when I was really little, my mom used to do this thing where she would just squeeze me. And she would hold on to me and she would just basically uh, do it until I would start freaking out, being like, let me go, let me go, let me go. And she would say, I'm not going to squeeze any tighter, but you have to just calmly uh, find your way out of her of her hug, basically. And I remember I would have to calm down, stop fighting it. And if I just took my time and relaxed, I can find a way to wiggle out of her arms. And maybe that doing that has psychologically um, trained me in these situations is just calm myself and accept it and just kind of find a way slowly to get out of it without panicking. Uh, who knows? I could be making all that up too, but I don't think so. I think it, I think my mom did that. So thanks mom. Uh, the another, another story that Bobby shares is he says is in high school, one of my best friends and I were big into kayaking. Ooh, a kayaking story. I had one. Uh, he said we decided to hit the Guadalupe river near green, Texas. 
when there was a major flood. Now, when there's flooding on that river, I know because I've been down there, it those rapids can get pretty gnarly. Uh, not like Colorado whitewater rafting, but it's still pretty fast. He says the river was flowing at over 4K CFS that day. I don't know what that means, but 4K is probably 4,000. And CFS, uh, that could be like, um, I don't know. If you know, tell me. So the river was flowing over at over 4K CFS that day. I'm just going to say that. That's a lot. Um, very fast. He says uh, Weco Falls has claimed a few lives under normal flow conditions. So that should have been a good enough warning. So he's basically saying people have died here before. They should have not done it, but Bobby's down. He, he he's wants that adventure. He says, my buddy went way to the side of the river where it wasn't so bad. And I headed straight for the middle. Uh, people were parked all along the riverside watching the fury of the water, and they were screaming at me to stop what I was doing. When you got everybody yelling at you on the side, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not doing something that you should be doing, Bobby. Uh, he said the rocks in deep backside that make Weco Falls had created the biggest reverse hydraulic I had ever seen. I knew instantly I was screwed. Yeah, I imagine. Uh, I paddled as hard as I could to get... To get speed in hopes of getting over a huge wave of water. The nose of the kayak went nose down and was swallowed up. Uh, it launched me towards the crest of the hydraulic and then everything went black. Again, I realized I was probably going to die and just held my breath hoping for the best. I popped up pretty far downstream just when I thought I couldn't last any longer. I guess practicing holding my breath as a kid paid off more than once. It's very similar to the um, kayaking experience I had. What people might not realize if you've never been kayaking your feet or your legs are like underneath um kind of tucked away so if it gets flipped over or something you have to kind of like worm your way out of the seat in order to get free um you can easily get trapped under the water if you stay in the kayak like that uh and i can relate with uh bobby talking about practicing holding his breath we used to have competitions when we were kids to see who can hold our breath the longest and i would always win those because i had a secret to make sure that I win, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, in fact, just uh, maybe like a year or two ago, we had one of those uh, breath-holding contests at my parents' swimming pool. And I got to say, I still got it. I still got it. So maybe that's not a bad idea. Everybody should just start practicing uh, holding their breath because you never know. Uh, man, we got some good ones. Here's another one from Liana. She says, also submitted to the Facebook uh, Chrysler's Corner group, she says, back in my late teens, my friend Denise and I were driving on 181 South late at night towards Floresville, Texas. Uh, those who aren't familiar with the area, 181 is just kind of a little country highway that goes a little bit south of uh, San Antonio, southeast. And uh, if you're driving at night, there's basically no lights um, down there, so you can't really see the road too well. And it is country, so anything could jump out. You got cows. Uh, I don't remember there being deer down there, but maybe. Um, anyway, she says, I was driving about 60 miles an hour, and it had rained recently. As we approached an intersection, the headlights of another vehicle reflected off a large puddle in such a way that I thought we were about to get T-boned at a very high speed. I screamed out, of my, friend's, I screamed out my friend's name and threw my right arm across her torso. I call this the mom arm. Ooh, that's a good person to drive with. Someone who will instinctively shoot their arm out and help you. 
Uh, she says, my friend thought I was completely insane for screaming her name in a panic, and I made her jump out of her skin. She was mad at me the rest of the way to Floresville because she thought I was just trying to scare her to be funny when I was actually certain we were both about to die. Um, so this is a good example of not actually being in a situation where you could have died, but being in that mindset of this is it, this is how I go. So I asked uh, Liana to tell me what she thought about when that happened. And she said she thought how awful it would be for um, her parents to have to bury her, to have to bury their child. And I think that that is a very selfless thought to go through her mind. Uh, I did not have that feeling when I was about to die. I, wasn't, I was thinking about coming about uh, becoming a ghost and telling my friend not to worry about it. So... Uh, maybe that's selfless, but th that would be a horrible experience. So, uh, excuse me while my chair creaks for a second. I have to adjust here. Um, let's see. We got, I believe, our last uh, story that was written in. This one comes from Isaac. Uh, he says that, now this is a serious one. Uh, he says that he had a brain hemorrhage. And uh, he was induced into a coma. And it was revived. And he was revived the next morning with another shot and then when they pulled out the needle that was in uh, that was in him he almost bled out right there and uh, Isaac goes to this on a more spiritual level he said that he received a blessing before the doctor had induced him into a coma and that he felt that it was confirmed that the doctors uh, would uh, find where the blood came from and that he would be fine um, so he was calm throughout the whole idea, uh, the whole uh, ordeal, because he had that confirmation and he felt that um, he was going to be okay. He told his dad and the neurosurgeon um, what he had felt, and his dad said, "Well, let's see what the doctors can do." And the doctor said, "Oh, we'll find it and we'll fix it," um, because they thought he had had an aneurysm. And um, oh, I misread a little bit earlier. He said that after he received the blessing, he felt like the doctors wouldn't be able to find where this blood came from, but that he would still be fine. Um, so he's, what he's saying here towards the end was that um, even though the doctors were pretty confident that they'll find it and fix it because they thought it was one thing, um, he says that medicine is a great practice, but that his Heavenly Father knows each and every one of us and his needs, desires, and struggles. And it wasn't his time to be called home. Um, and this happened just a week after his back surgery. So like I had talked about before, some people kind of uh, think about their life passing before them. Some of them take it to a spiritual level where they think, you know, they've got uh, a protector watching out for them. And in this case, Isaac definitely did. He has a, a strong testimony of his father in heaven watching over him. As you can see from these stories, uh, people have all different kinds of ways of dealing with their um, experiences where they think that they might die. I'm going to go ahead and add a, I got an audio clip sent in by uh, Terry and she talks about a time that her friend uh, came over to spend the night at her house and they had an experience where they thought they were going to die and I'll go ahead and let her tell that story herself so I'm going to add it on right here okay Chris so here is the story I told you that I would record for you for the podcast um, so you asked a question on Facebook today if anyone had had any um, experiences where they felt like they were going to die. And immediately what came to mind was a horrifying experience that I had as a teenager. 
I believe I was a sophomore in high school and my best friend Melissa and I were home alone at my house for the evening and um, it was already dark outside and we decided we were going to watch scary movies. So um, as teen girls do, we stayed up watching scary movies and totally freaked ourselves out. And I remember going through the house and like turning on all the lights because we were so scared. And so we literally turned on like every single light in the house. And mind you, we lived out in the country at this point and the property that my house was on, um, there was nothing out there. It's not like we were in a neighborhood. So there were no people who would just be wandering around. So it was really strange when all of a sudden Melissa and I started hearing noises from outside of the house. At first we tried to kind of, you know, like write it off, like maybe it's an animal or something, but then these noises kept happening and they would turn from it sounding just like something was outside to like, like scratching, like on the screen doors, what it would sound like, or like a tapping on the window. And my house wasn't very big and it, it felt like the sounds were coming from all around the house like it might be over on this side of the house and then all of a sudden there was a, a sound on the complete other side of the house and Melissa and I got so scared we literally were crying in fear and I remember us like getting down on our hands and knees and crawling into the kitchen because we have a lot of windows and we had turned all the lights on so we were scared that people could see in and see us and so we were in the kitchen crouched down and I remember us like grabbing knives out of the knife block and we were so scared we literally thought someone was going to bust in there and try to murder us and we thought we were gonna die um, Thankfully, it wasn't a murderer. It turned out to be my aunt that lived on the same property. And I guess she had been tipped off that we were home alone and watching scary movies. And so she thought it would be rather hilarious to freak us out. So she was literally running around the house, like scratching on the screen door and tapping on the windows and doing things to purposely freak us out. And whenever she walked into the house laughing, I remember Melissa and I just total shock. We had no idea that she was capable of that. And the next reaction was just pure anger. We were so upset. We were literally scared for our lives. Um, and to this day, that remains one of the most horrifying experiences that I've ever had and I know Melissa would say the same thing and as a matter of fact after I posted that on Facebook I saw she even went and commented and was like that's the first thing I thought of when I read this too because to this day it remains one of the scariest things that both of us have ever experienced and every once in a while it just comes up in conversation with us and we still get so angry at my aunt and we still talk about how horrified we were so there you go Terry, thanks for that story. I can relate with you 100%. If you guys go back to episode 8, uh, I believe it's Tales of Terror that I have my mother on there, you will know that my parents took great joy into scaring their children. So in this case, it was your aunt, but uh, in mine, 
it was straight up my parents that loved to just make me feel I was gonna die at any second uh, through terrifying means. So I appreciate you sending me that. If you want to send me an audio clip, you can email those to me at mindofmrcrizzle at gmail.com. Uh, I believe you can also send it as a message on Facebook. And But I prefer that you uh, either email it to me or if you'd like, uh, you can text it to me. If you want to get that, you can go ahead and message me on Facebook and I'll give you a number for you guys to be able to do that. I appreciate all the stories from the Chrislets that they shared with me. If you listen to this and you have some, um, some stories that you want to share, go ahead and still send those in. Maybe I'll make a new segment with the new jingle. It'll be like, I almost died, I almost died, but I didn't, and then I cried, and I didn't, so then I sighed. Uh, relief. No, is it too late to go back and take that out? That's embarrassing. Uh, no, I'm gonna leave it. That was it, I'm leaving it. But that won't be the song, though, if you send in. So don't worry, you can send those in and I won't make that song. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. Let's keep this episode rolling. Uh, get into the next segment. Uh, let's find out what it is. Ask fast or fast ask. Either way, say it's gonna be a blast. The fast ask or ask fast question today is what always makes you laugh? Well, that's easy. It's farting. I don't know why, but just the word fart sometimes makes me giggle. But a joke about farting, um, someone farting around me, I can't help it. It's just farts make me laugh. So just the other day I was watching a video where a guy was picking up somebody for work. And before his uh, co-worker got in to the truck, he sprayed some fart spray. You can imagine it's spray that smells like fart. And his coworkers' reaction as the video progressed, I, I just couldn't help but laugh out loud. Just something about it's it's something that everybody does, but nobody wants to talk about. And I and I don't understand why. If we are all a little bit more forthcoming, you know what? Maybe if we were all forthcoming about it, it wouldn't be as funny anymore because it wouldn't be as taboo. So let's not talk about it. But it, farting makes me laugh. Uh, in fact, I can remember. In middle school, I had a friend over, and we were in my bedroom playing uh, Super Nintendo, and my mom was in the kitchen uh, cooking dinner, I guess. So as we're playing, my friend, unbeknownst to me, farted. And um, I I heard the sound, but I thought it was part of the video game because it kind of sounded like a gunfire. And then he said, do you smell that? And all I could smell was my mom's cooking. So I said, yeah, it smells like dinner. And my friend just started busting out laughing. And I was like, what? Like, what's so funny? So imagine him. He just farted. And then he asked me if I smell it. And I said, it smells like dinner. So that was something that he died laughing with. And, uh, you know, a way fart makes people happy. And then just the other day, I was running up the stairs. And um, as I went up each step, a little toot came out. Not the whole way up the stairs, but like the first three or four steps. And I did laugh out loud to myself. And I guess my wife was upstairs and she heard me. And uh, she was like, I can't believe that you're laughing at yourself farting as you go up the stairs. But it makes me laugh. What can I say? 
That's what always makes me laugh. Fart jokes. Someone farting around me. Toot. Pass gas. Uh, break wind. Cut the cheese. All of those uh, terms for it. It just makes me giggle. So that is your long answer to your fast ask question. Life hack. Life hack. Life gives you problems, but I got your back with this life hack. Life hack. Get your life hack with me. You know, keeping in the theme with uh, farts making me laugh, I'm going to give you a life hack that will help you when you find yourself in those situations where you may be in a public uh, setting and you accidentally toot. I have a surefire way to make an awkward situation turn into laughing for everybody. Now this happened to me when uh, I was younger. I don't remember how old I was, but I vividly remember as one of the defining moments of my life where quick thinking got me out of embarrassing and then ooh, quick thinking got me out of an embarrassing situation and uh, turned into a memorable experience. I was with a group of people. Uh, a lot of the people actually didn't know and something happened i got bumped or something and a little trumpet noise came out of my rear end and everybody looked at me completely shocked and like i said i didn't really know anybody then they didn't you know now i feel like if i was around my friends or family they would just know oh that's just chris being chris but then it was i wasn't i could have been embarrassed but what i quickly thought was oh my gosh did you guys hear that butthole talking crap behind my back and uh, and everybody just busted out laughing. So if you ex if you accidentally fart, just say, "Oh my gosh, did you hear that butthole talking crap behind my back?" And people will laugh. If they don't, then you don't need them in your life. Let them go. So that's my life hack. If you fart, it's not the end of the world. You can turn it into a great experience for everyone. Now, if it stinks though, you might be in a different boat. Don't be stinky. All right. Don't be stinky. All right, that's it. Uh, enough of the episode. I know it got long in that um, that one section, but you know what? I watched a lot of stuff. had a lot of catching up to do. I won't let it get that long again before I do another episode. Don't forget that uh, next week's episode, I'm going to have Danielle on, and we're going to do a spoiler cast of Black Mirror. So if you have not seen Black Mirror, catch up on it, watch it. You've got a week to do it, um, or you can just wait to listen to the episode until you've watched it all. But I really think it's something everybody would will enjoy. And um, if you do watch it and you want to send me some thoughts and ideas about it before um, next week is recorded, go ahead and email those to me at mindofmrcrizzle at gmail.com. Or you can go to the Facebook group page, uh, which is Krizlet's Corner. Or again, you can go to the Anchor app on your phone and leave me a voice message there. And I can actually include that into next week's episode. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. And I will talk to you later. Bye.